When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Jesse, I am doing great. How are you? Oh man, I'm just excited about all these X-Men spoilers and just all the things that you and I have planned for the show over the coming months. We're very excited about it. I'm very excited to announce some of the stuff that we've got planned in the works. We'll let you guys know very shortly, but if we're this excited about it, you should be excited about it too. That's absolutely right, Chris. And talk about being excited about things. The X-Men, they are only a couple weeks away, which seems like nothing at this point. And of course, we're excited what we're talking about today, but it's just in the back of our minds, this X-Men content, it's coming soon. Not only for Marvel Crisis Protocol, and the game's going to be blown wide open with four new factions, but for you and I to basically dive into so much X-Men lore, content, and a couple of secret special things we have planned on the side. I just can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm most excited about stuff on the side, but of course I'm excited about X-Men, particularly you know, figuring out how we're going to do a Wolverine episode in an acceptable time frame. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but you just don't let me talk. That's uh, right? a good start. Yeah. I, I love the guy. He, he's such a fascinating character and he's had so many, just so many appearances, you know? Yes. So many different teams, his own book that ran forever. It's going to be fun and probably weird. Probably weird. That's why things like Old Man Logan exist, you know? Probably oh, yeah. weird is that category, which is a wonderful category. Yeah, just some initial thoughts here, Chris, about X-Men. So Atomic Mass has dropped even more spoilers since last episode. Namely, we got more of the good guys. So we got to see what Storm and Scott are like, which is very exciting because they're the leaders of the good X-Men teams, as we're going to say in quotes here, good and then, of course, we got Mystique and Beast. So a lot of information, a lot of information to digest. But most importantly, you know, 
Beast and Mystique are both in that three threat level. It just feels right. Oh, I thought Beast's kit especially was extremely interesting. I did too. His mobility, his sort mm-hmm. of repositioning, it's just very Beast. And it's something I don't think we're going to fully understand and appreciate until he's on the tabletop. Absolutely. And I think people are really going to underestimate him until then because, yeah, Chris, mobility for days. And then someone like Mystique, you know, we got Raven now fully revealed and turns out she's the second leader of the brotherhood oh you gotta love it you can't not love it because now you've got options in the brotherhood you've got an expensive leader and a cheap leader and then of course she is doing all the things we know her to do she's blowing up terrain she's doing these sort of stealth based missions with shape shifter keyword which is a new keyword in the game where enemy characters cannot use reactive superpowers or reactive team tactic cards when she is activating so she kind of just turns off all reactive superpowers when she's activating on her turn. Really cool. Very, very cool. And we got to talk about someone that might not be Chris and I's favorite, but someone we were really excited to see Atomic Mass nail the theme in Loron. And that's Cyclops, Chris. This man, Cyclops, first of all, his attacks are range four and range five. And the range five is a beam five. So absolutely incredible just on the attack side of things. And that's all he has, you know, when it comes to attacks, which is cool. That beam five is going to be so fun trying to line that up and trying to live the dream where you get almost the entire enemy team in one attack. That's Scott's dream every time. That's right. Of course, on top of that, he's got a lot of cool support abilities to support his team, to guide people around the map. And then, of course, his affiliation leadership, the Uncanny X-Men, which note, Chris, it says Uncanny here. We'll read the full title and then I'll talk about my excitement after that. It says X-Men Blue Affiliation uncanny x-men and this sounds like to me chris that they might have maybe some other x-men teams in the future with different names that aren't uncanny because it's something we saw in the comics that opens us up to just a lot of possibilities it really does x-factor teams x-force teams there you go could be fun yeah it really could be fun and he's just that field leader that we thought he might be so i was really excited to see him you know he can move other characters outside of their activation which is always a wonderful thing yeah very tactical and then of course you know you end all this excitement with just you know storm we hadn't talked about it on the show yet but you know this is the early career storm the three threat storm the leader she's not quite the omega lovely mutant and i i just love this approach they took with the first storm we see in the game and and she's got a lot of cool abilities as well and something people need to really, really keep in mind when these characters are revealed is that we have already seen two versions of the same person. We've already seen two versions of Natasha now. Yes. Just because this isn't the storm you particularly wanted, this wasn't that Omega level, six, six threat level storm, does not mean we're not going to get that someday. I mean, and time will tell, and it's like, just enjoy what we have. That's what I always tell people when maybe they're disappointed they haven't seen their particular character or incarnation of their character yet. Atomic Mass has not led us astray yet. There's been so many exciting things, things they've teased that are coming in the future. Yeah, Chris, I really think there will be an Omega Level Storm who maybe isn't even a leader at all. She's just sort of your high damage mage type character. Time will tell, you know? It's exciting just to have her in the game, period. And I'm just holding my breath till we get that affiliation card and till they update the uh, Wakanda affiliation card with her on it. I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. That just seems right. But yeah, it's a really exciting time. And, you know, we said last week, we're excited to talk spoilers. We're excited to talk news, you know, but that's never the focus of this show. And 
more importantly, we're going to get into these characters very soon and just be big deep dives. So no worries there. So what are we actually talking about today, Chris? This is something that I say with a huge smile on my face because last episode we did Miles Morales, which thank you for those of you that reached out and said that maybe we convinced you to read some Miles comics. That's really exciting. Oh, that's very exciting. I love to hear that. And that maybe certain people appreciate him even more in the game. That's always our intention. You know, keeping with our spider family theme, this sort of short series we have going on right now, we got to keep the spider family going. And we have a character today that an MCP is the ghost spider, but she's also been known by the names Spider Gwen, Spider Woman, and Gwen Stacy. Not just any Gwen Stacy, Earth 65 Gwen Stacy. That distinction is very important. I fully expect her to be folded into the 616 Marvel Universe eventually. Like Miles. Yeah, just like Miles. She's far too popular of a character. And, you know, they're really starting to build this Spider-Man family, you know, in a semi, you know, kind of a Batman family way. Yes. Where we have varying degrees of powered characters, varying degrees of good to bad anti-hero style characters, just offshoots and trained by Peter Parker and, and whatnot. Very Bat Family-esque. That is a great analogy, Chris. And yeah, it continues to grow just like the Bat Family continued to grow over time. And people started to love it more and more. And that's no different with the Spider Family. It seems like every year... And honestly, less than every year, we get more members of the Spider family, but more importantly, we get more information and we get more fans. You know, Gwen, I've seen just the widespread love of this character just erupt in, of course, prior to the Spider-Verse movie. And now that the Spider-Verse movie is out, it's a whole nother game, which is super exciting. And as we'll get into, she'll always be linked to the Spider-Verse. She will. It's an appropriate thing. Yeah, and it really, you know, it just speaks to her character design. She just immediately became popular and popped off in a way that Marvel didn't even expect because people just loved the design of this character so much. And it's really cool. And I think Atomic Mass has done a great job of capturing that cool character design in their model. Well, and it's like what we talked about with many characters of the past on this show, Chris. You nailed it with just her look and her aesthetic and the feel the character gives you just on first viewing and just how memorable it is. And it's very akin to something we've said in the past and something that, you know, of course, we know listeners of the show know that I love, but very obviously true is, you know, the character design of a character like Venom. That's half of the love people have for that character is just how iconic his design is and sort of the team up with McFarlane and all these, you know, the crazy stories with all the artistry we went through on our episode, but Venom's never going to go away, not necessarily because of his character, even though that is an interesting part in the symbiote and all that, but it's really, it starts with the design and that's why there's so many other symbiotes in the symbiote family. Gwen is a very similar situation. They just hit a home run with a just iconic design right out the gate. Absolutely. So I think we just need to get into it, Chris, because this is going to be a fun one. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. And this week, we want to send a very special and a very big thank you to Chad B. Chad, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Chad. We really appreciate you joining the Fury's Finest family and becoming a patron. And of course, we got to give a, that weekly shout out to Matthew R. 
our Avenger producer. Thank you, Matthew. You make this show run. Thank you so much, Matt. And guys, we talked about in our last episode because it was our one year episode, but the Patreon is the best way you can support the show. Obviously, anytime you listen and share and give us reviews and things like that, it's an incredible support. But of course, we have hosting fees, we have projects, we have equipment, we have all these endeavors. As Chris mentioned in last episode, just like Chris and I growing up with the music world and bands, like you put more time and money into something like this than, you know, it ever evens out. So the Patreon is more just a way to help us meet those basic fees. It's not going to pay for everything, but maybe one day it will. And you guys are making that possible. So if this show brings value to your life and you can give us a couple of dollars a month, check out the tiers. We really appreciate it. And as we've mentioned in recent episodes, we are adding more rewards to these higher tiers, specifically the Asgardian tier and the Avenger producers. So just keep an eye on that as well. All right, Chris, let's get into Ghost Spider lore. Well, we're going to start off like we almost always start off, and we're going to answer the question, who is the Ghost Spider? Ghost Spider is Gwen Stacy. She lives on Earth 65. Of course, you all know that Earth 616 is the prime Earth. This is Earth Dimension 65 that we're in here for this particular Gwen Stacy. She's bitten by a radioactive spider and becomes the superheroine Spider-Woman. Of course, the Peter Parker of this world does not become Spider-Man and passes away early as part of her character arc. Gwen's various enemies in Earth-65 include an evil version of Matt Murdock, a version of Frank Castle, and her story contains a lot of Peter Parker's personality, conflicts, a lot of the similar things we saw with Miles growing up with powers, struggling with responsibility. Very interesting character. Her first appearance in comics was Edge of Spider-Verse, issue number two. She was created by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. Yeah, and I'll mention while we're here too, Chris. So Edge of the Spider-Verse issue two was only 2014. So if we really want to talk about a character that's picked up serious steam, it is Gwen Stacy, the Ghost Spider. And also, right after this issue of Edge of the Spider-Verse came out, I think her truly iconic debut with her own series was just a year later, 2015, in the Spider-Gwen series. And that's kind of where her primary name and sort of pop culture moniker Spider-Gwen came from. It was kind of almost intangible from that point onward. I I feel like everyone that saw those covers saw that comic title still to this day, and of course myself included, struggle to call her correctly the Ghost Spider or Spider-Woman because those comics were so iconic. I struggle with the same thing. It's it's really hard not to call her Spider-Gwen all the time for me. I'm trying to get used to Ghost Spider. I, You know, the Spider-Woman moniker, it's been used several times by several different folks. Right. I think Ghost Spider is really awesome, and it uh, really fits with the primarily white and black of her costume as well. That's true, Chris. And I like that you mention, of course, Spider-Woman has been claimed before and issued before to other people before Gwen. And that's what I think too. But on top of that, you know, this is a spider family and a lot of them share names. A lot of them have similar or the same names in certain universes. And that's kind of a way to look at it too, because, you know, this gets really convoluted and tricky because, you know, there's things like the ghost spider pre-Gwen, which was the Peter Parker in the future that had died and become the ghost rider type Peter Parker, which is now called the spirit Spider-Man. If anyone followed our Instagram, that's what I painted my second Peter Parker. So it's like we got a lot of crossovers. Like we have a couple ghost spiders, a couple spider womans, probably a hundred spider mans. 
So it's, it's most importantly is to know who they are and their alter ego because they are all different people and individuals. And of course, you know, you want to call her spider Gwen, Gwen, spider woman, or the ghost spider. It's up to you. But of course her name now going forward is always going to be ghost spider because I think not only has it been cemented in her universe, but you know, Marvel's trying to cement it going forward for her just name as a hero in the universe. Branding is important. Trying to get it all locked down with such a new character. It makes sense that it's a little convoluted at first, but it'll settle out. It does. But, you know, once again, Edge of the Spider-Verse 2014, Spider-Gwen comics 2015, many comics that followed after that. She's a relatively young character, Chris, and she has so much love. So I'm really excited to talk about her today. But it's just worth noting that in the span of comics years, and if you followed the show since the beginning, you know, that's not very long, like six years. Well, let's get into that history right now. In the alternate dimension, Earth-65, Gwen Stacy from Midtown High School is a drummer in a band called the Mary Janes, consisting of her and her friends Mary Jane Watson, Betty Brant, and Glory Grant. Gwen is bitten by a radioactive spider, and she becomes the hero Spider-Woman. Shortly afterward, her friend and classmate Peter Parker attempts to exact revenge on those who bully him, becoming Earth-65's version of... The lizard. Gwen subdues him and Peter dies due to the chemicals he used for his transformation. Gwen is greatly affected by Peter's death and inspired to use her powers to protect others. This is another kind of trope for the spider characters. There's always a close death that always inspires them to become better people. That's right, but let's talk about this twist here, Chris. Peter Parker becoming a iconic early Spider-Man villain, the lizard in this universe and kind of his unfortunate end being inside the incident for Gwen, a little different. Well, you have to keep the universe fresh and what better way than to get rid of Peter Parker entirely. (laughs) It works. Yeah. Gwen is blamed for Parker's death publicly by J Jonah Jameson. Her father, NYPD police chief, George Stacy hunts for spider woman. He's aided by earth 65's, Captain Frank Castle, and Detective Jean DeWolf. During a later confrontation with her father, Gwen reveals her true identity to him. Shocked, he tells her to simply run. In the Spider-Verse storyline, Gwen of Earth-65 is one of many other spider totems across the multiverse recruited to fight the vampiric Morlin and the Inheritors. Although she is one of several people called Spider-Woman who appear, she seems to be the only spider who is also Gwen Stacy, leading to her nickname, Spider-Gwen. Gwen realizes most of her counterparts in other universes are dead, including the Earth-616 Gwen Stacy, who was the first love of Peter Parker, leader of the group fighting the Inheritors. Telling Peter she likewise failed to save her version of him, they both agree to look out for each other. Though Gwen deals with both criminals and enemies in the police department, she also makes allies as Earth-65's version of Captain America, Reed Richards, and Peggy Carter, the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. Gwen meets Spider-Heroes of the Other Worlds again on Battleworld in the Secret Wars storyline. Gwen meets Spider-Heroes of Other Worlds again on Battleworld in the Secret Wars storyline and event. Along with battling menaces on her own world, Gwen joins the Web Warriors, a group of spiders with dimensional traveling devices who combat threats to other universes, particularly worlds that no longer have a spider of its own 
to defend it. During the Dead No More, the clone conspiracy storyline, she poses as a clone of Earth-616 Gwen Stacy to help Peter and Kane Parker stop a threat involving the Jackal's carrion virus. After losing her powers, Gwen seeks aid from the corrupt Matt Murdock and scientist Elsa Brock. It's discovered that combining the mutagenic lizard serum with isotopes can form a version of the Venom symbiote. Gwen bonds with Elsa Brock's symbiote, restoring her abilities. When Murdock has her father George attacked, Gwen succumbs to the symbiote's baser influence and almost kills the man in revenge. After she spares his life, Murdock reveals he was testing to see if Gwen, like him, would be corrupted by power. After defeating Murdock, Gwen takes full control over the symbiote, reveals her identity to the public, and turns herself over to the authorities for her crimes. After turning down an offer from Captain America to perform black ops services in exchange for reduced sentencing, she's convicted for one year in a maximum security shield prison. After serving her prison time, Gwen is informed that the Inheritors have returned and joins the Spider-Geddon storyline. At one point, she is believed by the others to be killed in an explosion. In truth, she survives the explosion, but is stranded on Earth-3109, her dimensional transportation device now damaged. The Gwen of that world, who operates as the heroic Green Goblin, creates a new dimensional teleportation device, and Earth-65 Gwen returns to the fight against the Inheritors. During the final battle, Miles Morales wonders if Gwen is a ghost after seeing her lost in an explosion, inspiring the new nickname Ghost Spider. Back on Earth-65, Gwen tries to return to her normal life of superhero activities, drumming with the Mary Janes and attempting to rekindle her relationships with friend Harry Osborn and her father George. Without her secret identity, things prove challenging, leading to judgments from the public and regular attacks by criminals like Manwolf. Additionally, her symbiote starts causing massive headaches while dropping parts of itself as gummy spiders. Since Elsa Brock has disappeared from public life, Gwen travels to Earth-616 to find her counterpart, Eddie Brock. Peter Parker of Earth-616, now a teacher at Empire State University, volunteers to analyze the symbiote since his world's Eddie Brock is not a scientist. The two heroes then save people from the villain Swarm, and Gwen is asked who she is. Since this universe already has a Spider-Woman, Gwen decides she needs a new name, considering how so many of her multiverse counterparts are dead, as if death loves Gwen Stacy, she decides to adopt the Ghost Spider moniker. Realizing her secret identity is intact in this dimension, Gwen decides to attempt college peacefully on Earth-616 without worrying about villains attacking. With Peter's help, she enrolls in Empire State University, explaining to school admissions that she comes from another dimension. This, along with her test records and Parker vouching for her, earns Gwen enrollment and a scholarship that applies to visitors from other worlds and dimensions. Gwen begins regularly attending classes while commuting back and forth from her own Earth, regularly encountering Peter. In costume, she fights menaces on both worlds, including Miles Warren, whose unhealthy obsession with the Earth-616 Gwen Stacy led to him becoming the villainous Jackal. And that, my friends, is where we're going to leave it off. And as you can see, I alluded to it earlier, they are starting to fold her into the 616 universe. It's only a matter of time before it's permanent. And I think that's pretty cool. 
just like Miles. And you know, something worthwhile talking about today, Chris. So last week we had our first major character from the Ultimate Universe make it onto our show, but also an MCP. Gwen today is very similar. So once again, we have another character who's not originally part of the 616 universe, but she's not part of the Ultimate Universe either, right? Right. They kind of started a new thing with the Spider-Verse where multiverse comics exist but it's understood that they are kind of side by side or parallel of sorts with the events going on in the regular 616 universe of Marvel. So sort of ultimate, sort of 616, sort of in between, which is very fitting of Gwen because she's always jumping in and out of portals. Well, and you know, it's just one of those things they had to do. They had to create Earth 65 for her character. Right. As she was so popular, she demanded her own book. So Gwen Stacy in 616 is dead. It'd be super convoluted to bring, just magically bring her to life. They'd already invented this character from another dimension. So let's just start fleshing out this dimension and see where it goes. Right. And Gwen's died in the Ultimate Universe as well. So as you mentioned earlier in the lore, she's died in almost every universe. So it does make it even more interesting that we have this sort of interdimensional travel Gwen, who's still alive, and she is jumping around these different universes. It all makes sense, and something we haven't touched on yet, Chris, and something we don't normally touch on, but I want to mention here while we are here still in history, I think another part that cemented Gwen in people's minds and hearts was it has a really unique art style for Marvel. Her series in particular, mainly her original offshoots that we talked about, and then of course the Spider-Gwen series, it's a really unique art style for Marvel. It's almost more akin to a image comics sort of style of some of these modern comics and things like that, that are maybe not as bound by the superhero design. And I just think that's interesting. Like Not everything she's in has her style, but her early issues and everything had a really unique style. And it's kind of hard to describe. All in her color palette, you know, and the drawing was definitely different from what we've seen from Marvel before. Especially early on, that was definitely the case. But because of the accent, the teal accents she has in her costume, this kind of easily leads to more pastels. Yes. Pop art colors, for sure. Yes. Pop art colors, dark backgrounds, bright accents, very bright. Yeah. And then really emphasizing as you mentioned, Chris, the whites and the blacks, even more so than normal comics. You know, there's a rule in old, old comics, you know, that you never fully show black. You always have some blue. And of course that rule has been broken in recent years moving forward. And, you know, comics like Spider-Gwen are a good example of that. So if you want to see some interesting art as well, make sure to check out her stuff. Just like last week, Chris, we talked about Miles and how he is a different universe spider person. I think it's no different that we talk about Gwen this week and her superpowers because similar to Miles, hers are slightly different from Peter's as well. Gwen is originally depicted as having similar powers to Peter Parker, which originated from the bite by a radioactive spider. These powers include sticking and climbing on walls, a sixth sense to danger, which she struggles with, and being able to lift about 10 tons. <laughs> she owns web shooters that were created by retired crime fighter and billionaire mogul Jeanette Van Dyne. Mm. These mechanisms help filter moisture from the air to create an adhesive web fluid, which itself creates web nets, ropes, and globs, among other shapes. They also help her swing from building to building. 
not requiring refilling as long as moisture is present. Gwen also has a wristwatch that allows her to to travel the multiverse after the events of Spider-Verse. She is commonly depicted as using her smartphone for superhero equipment. As the daughter of a police captain, Ghost Spider has detective skills and analytical thinking. She is not trained in fighting, but has picked up elements from kung fu films, which is kind of funny. If you can lift 10 tons, you can probably beat most people up. Yeah, and you have a spider sense, right? Where you can dodge most things. Right. Gwen is eventually depicted as depowered, but regains her powers after bonding with her universe's version of the Venom symbiote, like we talked about. Her symbiote feeds off the nutrients of her body, but if it doesn't get the right nutrients, then Gwen's powers become unstable. For her to keep the symbiote stable, Gwen often eats extra food and has made kale chips a regular part of her diet. The symbiote responds well to cellulose, apparently. <laughs> Very interesting. And a nice twist on the Eddie Brock Venom symbiote in this universe, which, of course, you know, is uh, different, of course, which is great. And that's where, the, of course, the fan name Gwenum comes from. Which is great. Which is really good. So, Chris, closing out Gwen's lore today, any comic book recommendations? Well, as you mentioned, she's not been around for a terribly long time, but the Into the Spider-Verse comic event is a really, really fun read. It is. There's a lot of offshoots. A lot of different spiders make appearances as most notably Spider-Noir, Spider-Ham, you know, some of these you love from the the Into the Spider-Verse movie. I would also recommend... Just read the first few issues of the Spider-Gwen solo series. Yes. The art's fantastic, and it gives you a feel for Earth-65. You know, it's it's a little bit different. Yeah, it is. And, and Gwen's a super cool girl. And, and the version of Gwen in this universe, I think it's worth talking about, Chris, while we're here in Lord. She is a little different from the Earth-616 Gwen universe. She's a punk rocker, which is awesome. Let's just start there. But she also has a history of ballet, which I think goes really well with her character being a spider person and then on top of that you know she has these sort of niche fascinations like all of us good nerds do things like kung fu films rock music you know she likes the foods she likes hence the uh, reference to kale chips earlier and she's just a cool different version of the Gwen Stacy we've always known that kind of always becomes Peter's first girlfriend and always ends up dying from some horrific way. You know, the Gwen Stacy in the Ultimate Universe dies very early to none other than Carnage, you know, in a really horrific way. And it's just nice to see this Gwen not only live, but be such a strong force and such a inspiring character not only do i think for fans of comics like us because she's such a cool design character and a fun character but most importantly chris for young girls and women everywhere because she is such a cool spider woman and a different offshoot of what we've come to know as spider woman representation is important it's important to get different stories out there from different perspectives it certainly is and this is a great character to do it because she's just cool like you've mentioned she's just a cool character, great design, you know, interesting. It's just fun. It's very similar, like we said last week to Miles, Chris. Like, she feels real. She feels like a tangible teenage girl, and then she gets these superpowers. It's the thing that makes Peter Parker one of the best superheroes ever initially made, because as we talked about in our episode, he was an every person. Anyone can be Spider-Man. That's always been the mantra 
of Stan Lee's Spider-Man idea. And with the Spider family, it goes even further because, as you said, we have representation. We have different Spider-Men and Spider-Women that are all slightly different, of course, in personalities and in superpowers, and then their universes are different because they call on them in different ways. There always needs to be a Spider-Person defending the particular Earth that they're on. And Gwen is no exception to this. In fact, she's one of the ones that, of course, immediately became arguably one of the most iconic of the many, many spider people out there. And there's a reason why I think she has a really bright future. Oh, I would agree. We've got to talk about her film appearance. Gwen does not have an appearance in the MCU, very similar to Miles, though Chris and I have hopes and dreams that just like Miles, this is going to change very soon. But she does have an appearance in Into the Spider-Verse. So we covered it last week. We covered it from Miles' perspective. So today we'll just talk about Gwen in the film. She's played by Haley Steinfeld, a great actress that everything she's been in, she's been stellar and a great choice for Gwen. And I said it in last week's episode, Chris, and I'll say it again going forward. She's young enough. She's you know adept enough at acting that they could very easily pick her up for a live action adaptation. They might not. They might not ever pick up Gwen in live action. I think that would be a mistake. But if they did, they've already got a great actress who did the voice work, who mainly doesn't even do voice work, but she did voice work for this film in particular. And what more can be said? Gwen is super cool, super confident. She's many steps ahead of Miles in the Into the Spider-Verse film. And that's really apparent because she's been fighting crime for some time and he's just now starting his origin story. And she's a major player in this film. I thought they introduced her really well. I really enjoy how she kind of played how she kind of played a guiding role for Miles. Right. I thought it was very fun. You know, role reversal there as well. Like you just said, I can't say it any better. She just came off really cool, really confident, really enjoyable. Something we're always gonna say about this movie, Chris, is I think part of the reasons why it's so good is because at its heart it's the relationship of six one six, forty year old Peter and, you know, brand new origin story miles and sort of their relationship but then on top of that you have all these great other spider people in the film that are just in it the right amount and gwen of course is in it the most of the second string cast and every moment she's on screen she's doing something to forward her character or the plot and that just means they wrote a great script and a great film and of course you know the movie ends with, I'm not going to say a cliffhanger, but of course, a nice little Easter egg at the end where Miles is in his bed and then a portal opens up and, and Gwen's like, hey, friend, is what she says to the portal and the movie ends. So we know she's going to return in Spider-Verse 2, and I imagine she'll be even play a bigger role. So if anything, we'll have more of Haley Steinfeld playing her there. But it's just so cool to see this character now in the modern sphere. People that did not read these comics or knew about the Spider-Verse before this now know who Gwen is and know what the Spider-Verse is. And I've seen Chris from the general public that doesn't read comics, like people loved this character from just the movie alone. And that's testament to not only the movie, but of course the design and this character. I'm very excited for that movie. Yes. Cannot wait for number two. All right, Chris, let's move on to Marvel Crisis Protocol, Ghost Spider. Her name is Ghost Spider. Her alter ego is Gwen Stacy. She has five stamina, a long move, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. Her defenses are three physical, three energy, three mystic. And on her injured side, Chris, she also has five stamina. These are the exact same stats as Miles with one change, long move. I love a long mover. 
Guess what? That makes her stats exactly the same as Peter Parker, except he costs four threat. So we're seeing a trend with all the spider people. It's 10 stamina overall and threes across the board on their defenses. So far, they're usually longs. Sometimes they're a medium. Very interesting. Like I was talking about last week, we're kind of seeing a trend to niches, you know, kind of character archetypes. Correct. Let's talk about her first attack. It is going to be a physical attack. This spider technique has a range of two, strength of four, and of course, a cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. If this character has already attacked the target character during its activation this turn, add three dice to this attack roll. If this character has advanced or been placed during its activation this turn, after this attack is resolved, it may advance long. This is a very cool builder attack. It's a very versatile strike. One of the most versatile strikes we've seen in the game. That cannot be understated. Honestly, Chris, with Gwen, you're going to be doing this attack more than the other two because she gets so much versatility out of this. As we've said on the show many times, you know, a range two, four strength strike is the worst in the game. But if you do it again, it's seven. Or if you did a different attack before this and then you did the strike, the spider technique strike, it's seven. So that's pretty nice. And then I think the true power of this is if she had been advanced or placed this turn, then she strikes, she gets to move for free, essentially. So it's a pretty incredible thing. You know, you could move with Gwen, strike, move again. So you're kind of breaking the basic rules of the game where you can either perform two attack actions, two move actions, or some combination of those, plus, you know, actions that do not take the action keyword. It's a little different. Gwen breaks it. And, you know, notice it says if she's been placed during this activation. So tactics cards like aim lackeys or many others that place a character without them actually moving, that would proc this as well. So Gwen can do a lot of exciting things. Frankly, pretty wild. I'm boggled at this. As you should be, because her movement is incredible. Because, you know, spoiler alert, we haven't got to the superpower yet, but of course she's a wall crawler. So a long mover who's a wall crawler, you're getting extra movements potentially if you're doing this right. You know, she could be placed from a tactics card, attack, then she gets a move, then she could attack again, and then she get a move again. I mean, it'd be absolutely insane. It can happen. Her second attack is also a physical attack called impact webbing. It's a range four, once again, four strength, zero power cost attack. After this attack is resolved, Gwen gains one power. It has a wild trigger push. If the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, this character may push it away short. And always notice, listeners, when you hear things like before damage is dealt, that's very important because that actually means, say someone's on an objective, they're close to dying. Well, you push them before your dice damage goes through. So you actually get to reposition them. Then even if they're dazed after that, at least you position them off first. You know, maybe make it a little harder for them next turn to get back up there. But yeah, Chris, this is her second builder, except this one's just a range four, four dice. No matter what, she gains a power. And I've always said on the show, that's not a great damage dealing attack. But sometimes you just need one more power. And sometimes you're going to be able to take that range four pot shot while you're moving across the board. Yes. Just to build that power, maybe sneak one wound in. I like it. It's not the basis of her kit. It's not hugely impactful, but I'm definitely not mad it's there. 
No, range is nice. She's very similar to Peter in that way where, you know, if he needs a range attack, he has it. Let's talk about her last attack. It is also a physical attack. That's all physical attacks. It's called Freestyle Beatdown. It is range 2, strength 6, power cost of 3. If this attack deals damage and the target character is size 3 or less, after the attack is resolved, the target may be thrown away short. Very good. I like that. The throw word is better than the push word. Yes, it is. And... Size three is nice. Gwen is strong, as we've talked about before. So she's throwing a lot of characters with this. Most characters in the game are size two and size three. So this is going to cover most of your bases. Yeah, it's great, Chris. You have to deal damage, which is the only contingent part. But the good news is it's not a wild trigger. So if you just get one damage through, you get the throw. Six dice is a pretty good bet on getting at least one through. Yes. It does cost three, which is expensive. And here's what's crazy, Chris. It is six dice, which is nice. But if you do your strike after any other attack, it's seven dice, which is really interesting. So you've got a lot of different options with Gwen on what do you want to do? You know, this one's obviously stronger because, you know, six dice with a throw is better than seven dice, but then seven dice with some power building. You got options. She's got some flexibility and some mid-range play when she needs it. Her first superpower is an active superpower. It looks familiar. It's called Webline. Costs two power. Push an enemy character within range four and in Gwen's line of sight towards her short. A character can be pushed by the superpower only once per turn. Peter Parker has the same ability. And Chris, sometimes this ability can win games. You pull people off objectives late in a round when they've already gone, they're not scoring. And that's something to try to remember in your positioning when you're playing against the Ghost Spider is to keep that point of interest, keep that victory point between you and Ghost Spider right. so that if she does pull you, you're still within range. Yeah, because it's not quite as powerful as something like Shuri where it's always a push away. This is a pull, but you can get some really interesting things with this, Chris. And of course, notice now we've got some synergy where it's like you can impact webbing just to get that one more power. So now you're at two because you got one from the round and one from impact webbing. Maybe you dealt a damage or something if you got lucky, but now you've pulled them in range and now they're in your range too and you can spider technique strike them for seven, right? So there's a lot of nice. options. It's very thematic and really fun. And it feels like Spider-Woman. Well, it's always fun being able to disrupt your opponent by repositioning his figures. Yes. Her next superpower is a reactive superpower. It is called Lifesaver. It costs two power. When an enemy character targets another allied character with an attack within Gwen's line of sight and range four, you may use this superpower. Push the target allied character towards Gwen short. If... At the end of the push, the targeted character is outside of the attack's range or the attacker's line of sight, the attack ends. If it is this attacker's activation and the attack did not target multiple characters, they may make another action. This superpower can only be used once per turn. This is Gwen's version of Trickster, which is a feature on Loki's card. Though Loki's is stronger because it's anytime he's targeted, he gets to move away Gwen's is a little bit more contingent, like she's got to have line of sight to the ally, then she pulls them towards her. But this is a great thing, Chris. Like, this is really a nice, very high-level superpower to use. It's very tough. And if you get this right, 
and you have characters who are damaged a lot, but they're in Gwen's range to pull away, and you save their life and they can't be attacked this turn, well, if anything, you saved yourself an activation. Also, if anything, you have foiled your opponent's original plans, and you've kind of knocked them off their feet, and they have to think of something else they need to do instead. It's something I'm not very good at, but I love the idea of control pieces like this. Like I've touched on before earlier in the strategy section, moving your character's pieces around, disrupting their plans, rearranging the board when it's not expected is extremely powerful. And the better you are at the game, the better you're going to be at this particular skill, too. Absolutely. It's something I'm working on. I'm working on to get my lifesavers better with Gwen. I, I definitely have her web lines down, and I'm really excited about that, and her spider technique down. But lifesaver is very difficult, Chris. You have to have her with that in that range four and get all the angles right, you know? Because it's like, if she's not far enough back then you're kind of just pulling people sideways. And that might not do very much sometimes. It's a lot of positioning, a lot of angles. You have to keep a lot of things in mind when you place her down, when you take your hand off off of her model. Absolutely. And of course, her last superpower I mentioned earlier, it's an innate superpower called Wall Crawler. So Gwen will always be moving long for the most part, unless you get in some sort of crazy scenario of a size six or bigger building, which are very uncommon. So a very mobile character, a very high damage character if played right, and also some control features where she's pulling enemies towards her and pulling allies towards her when they're attacked. Chris, I absolutely love Gwen to death. Like She is a staple of so many lists of mine. She just works on so many levels, and she's just a good fighter for three threat, you know, with a long move. I think she's an extremely versatile three threat character. There's just no reason not to have her in most of your bags yeah for through threat why not she can get so many things done she she can be your objective runner she can also be your muscle she can maybe save a character uh for an extra turn or two just very cool yeah and of course like we always do on the show like we can talk about where we think she fits and some of her weaknesses too and i think maybe her biggest weakness is that she's all physical attacks you know something we talk about on the show physical defense is the most represented defense in the game as for right now and probably for the foreseeable future because it seems to fit the superhero theme and that is a weakness of her if she's fighting people and everyone's good on physical defense she's not going to do a lot of damage but i pivot and say that she can pivot which is you know if she's not doing a lot of damage well sometimes chris i just strike with gwen so i can get that second free long move you know and position her again she does have a place if she can't do damage but you know she makes her less versatile because as chris said ideally you want her to be a good beater for three threat and also a good positional character with long movement and sort of these control pieces that position not only her enemies but her allies but i think she's a great addition to the web warriors and some other teams that i have had success with her which work quite well is she of course is a good fit for the cabal sometimes when you're doing these double attacks and she's getting extra dice if you get damaged through she's getting more power it makes sense that she works in cabal but i'll tell you a place she works really well chris is Avengers. Web lines for one and lifesavers for one get pretty annoying. Oh, that's very nice. Especially if you're good enough at positioning her to make sure to keep options out there for you. If you're really good at keeping your allied characters within four and line of sight and only one power for that lifesaver, that's just, that's killer. That is killer. 
And I think too, you know, there's, there's places to be said that she can honestly fit in every team like Chris mentioned and a couple just off the top of my head, criminal syndicate, Gwen counting as two people on, on a secure objective seems good when she's got some control piece and she can fight well with hand to hand combat and all that movement to get from objective to objective. Yes. And then of course, something I've had a lot of fun and success with lately, and maybe it's just because I love the character and I love this faction which is the Defenders, they're really a faction that's been working well for me. And I've been playing Gwen and Defenders because you can attack first with only that four dice. That's okay. Now you attack again. Her second attack is seven dice, but now you spend the one power to change the type from physical to mystic or energy, depending on the enemy's weakness. So you're kind of exploiting Gwen's biggest weakness is that she's all physical attacks with Doctor Strange's ability to change her attack type to whatever she wants. And then, of course, if she deals damage, she gives them a hex, which is absolutely wonderful. So she can be a force in Defenders if she's using Doctor Strange's leadership at the right moment. Because, you know, a mystic punch in the face for seven, Chris, that gives you a hex, it's no joke if your character's not good at defending mystic. It's pretty good. And then, of course, we could also talk about the freestyle beatdown, where, you know, it's a mystic attack, and then you get a throw. You have options, but I think she fits in most places. We will see if she fits in any of the X-Men teams at all, if that makes sense. And, uh, you know, what more can be said about Web Warriors? She gets re-rolls on her defense. That makes sense. That works. She can re-roll skulls. That makes sense as well. So notice another weakness of Gwen, though, Chris, and something we hadn't mentioned yet, and I'm glad we're mentioning it now, is she doesn't have as much defensive abilities as Peter and Miles. She is absolutely lacking some kind of spider sense superpower, That's which true is rules. very thematic. Like we mentioned, she has a tough time with her spider sense. It also works really well with the game. It would be tough if she was too tanky and coupled with the amount of dice she can throw out in one activation coupled with her movement it would be too much but you know maybe that means she could really benefit from the x-men gold affiliation give her a little bit of defensive bonuses at range it seems good because that is a true weakness that she has so time will tell we'll see where she else fits but i think she's a great addition to most lists right now chris closing out our web warrior talk this two wonderful episodes we had chris we got two tactics cards for the web warriors that we're going to talk about Starting with the first, all webbed up, Web Warriors active. So you have to be playing the Web Warriors affiliation to use this card active. A Web Warrior character may spend three power to play this card. Each enemy character within range three of that Web Warrior that played this card suffers the slow special condition. When an allied Web Warrior character is attacking a character suffering the slow special condition this round, add two dice to the attack roll. Chris, this is an auto-include in your eight cards for Web Warriors. It is very good. So notice someone like Miles could be kind of deep in the fray. Everyone within range three of him that's an enemy gets a slow. And then, you know, Peter, Venom, Gwen, they can come in and then all their attacks are procced. You know, all their attacks are increased by two dice. Now that Gwen spider technique is six and nine instead of four and seven. So it's very exciting, but you know, even if you can get the dice off this card, Chris, giving all the enemies slow that are range three of the character that plays this card is very powerful. I love conditions. Slow is absolutely annoying to deal with. Never a bad thing to annoy your opponent. 
That's so true. And it's one I think that you don't ignore a lot. Some of these other conditions people ignore, like, okay, I have stun. It's awful, but, you know, hopefully I'll be dazed soon. It'll be gone. Or I have poison. It's awful. I have root. It's awful. No, slow sometimes you're like, oh, I can't move to the objective anymore. Yeah. You have to shake it off. Usually you do, especially if it's a long move character. It feels really bad. Putting a slow on someone like Black Panther is absolutely crippling absolutely it takes away a major strength of the character it's it's one of the conditions that i just don't mess around with i almost always shake slow off the next tactics card we're going to talk about is web barrier it is a web warriors card so you once again have to be playing the web warriors it is an active tactics card two web warrior characters may both spend one power to play this card. While these characters are within range 3 of each other this round, they cannot be pushed, thrown, or placed by enemy effects. And while advancing enemy characters, and while advancing, enemy characters cannot place a movement tool that would overlap either allied character or a straight line drawn between these characters unless they are climbing. Characters cannot draw line of sight through these characters or a straight line drawn between them this round Ooh, this one's hard to use but it's it's really impressive this one is hard to use but if it helps you visualize they're creating a wall of webbing between the two characters they're creating that barrier that enemy characters cannot penetrate or see through it's a lot of words to explain it but that's what it is and it's one of those things that i think this card could be extremely powerful if you've got the experience to use it. Right. And these are things that the banned and restricted list really opened up, Chris. Cards like this definitely do have a place now that the healing cards have been reduced, now that certain cards have been restricted, and of course, drop-off has been banned. This is a great example of a card that I think that might be a little sleeper agent right now. People aren't thinking about it as much, but I think it's super cool. And I think probably the coolest part about it is that it only costs one per each web warrior. So, Any round you want to do this, you can do it right away. So it's just always going to work. Sometimes, you know, more expensive tactic cards, you need to look at those a bit more wary. Something like this, not a huge effect, but it only costs one. And I love the idea that they have to climb. So it's a great objective denial. It's a great way to keep characters alive because it blocks line of sight, you know? Absolutely. You know, someone like Hawkeye or Rocket, they've been doing well all game shooting, but they finally got on their back foot and they're about dead now you know, save them. It's also notable. You could talk about using this on maps like the demon portals or gamma shelters where it's like, just hold a gamma Mm -hmm. and block it up, you know, and you could do this early game and just keep everyone safe. It's really interesting. We're going to see more play of it over time, but yeah, I think all webbed up is an auto include. And I think web barrier is something that's always worth your consideration. It's a great affiliation. Chris This is a great faction in the game. They are so objective focused. They are so defensive and they've got really cool teamwork and control features that a lot of their affiliations don't have. So Gwen is a great addition to this team. We have covered every web warrior on the show. Now that exists. We have covered Peter Parker, Eddie Brock, Miles Morales, and Gwen Stacy. So we've covered every member of this team so far. And I can't wait to see if we get more spider people in the future. Jesse, what is your next hope for spider person? What is the next spider person you want to see? 
Oh, man. It's so hard. It's such a hard question. It is. I'm not asking you which one you think is going to happen. I'm asking you which one you want the most personally. I think it might be a tie for me between the Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Noir because they're very iconic characters, as we know, visually, but also they're pretty different characters compared to these heroes we have in front of us. I know Venom's an exception, but especially someone like the Superior Spider-Man, Chris and I we went through great detail of how interesting of a character that is in the Marvel universe. So I'd kind of like to see more of a evil, you know, spider person on the web warriors team and how talk mass games maybe implements that into the game. Those are good answers. I've got a couple different answers. Perfect. For me, I would like to see the Scarlet spider. That's on my list as well. Somewhere. My next one is maybe, maybe a curveball, maybe not, not a very popular character, but I really like Silk. Oh, yes. I think she's very interesting, has a cool power set that's a little bit different for a spider person, and her backstory of just being a, a kind of a, a person out of time Yes, is very, very cool. And her struggles to adapt to modern society, very cool. And, you know, I just like the character. I love the character design. Atomic Mass has shown their creativity to us time and time again. It's only going to continue to grow in the future, Chris, because they're going to have more options, right? They're going to have more of these mainstay characters out of the way, and they can do these offshoot type characters. And I think what a great opportunity to do someone like Silk or the Scarlet Spider or something crazy like, you know, Penny Parker and the Spider Mech. Mm. That would be a crazy thing to see because, of course, you know, she's one of the characters in the Spider-Verse film, so... Front and center, you know, a character that's going to continue to grow over time. And it'd just be interesting to see these characters implemented from a game mechanic standpoint, because we're getting some pretty interesting characters here with the way they would play, you know, definitely different from the normal Peter Miles Gwynn sort of scenario. And absolutely, you mentioned the Scarlet Spider. I mean, what's your main reason for wanting the Scarlet Spider? I mean, just being a favorite spider person of yours? It's a nostalgia reason. Yeah. Is one of the first comics I bought was a, a Scarlet Spider comic out of a, a drugstore comic rack. So I've just always had an affinity for the character. Absolutely. I think it's a iconic spider person, hence why it's on our shirt on our T public page. And, you know, I, I had to make sure it made it there, Chris. But also, you know, notable mention. I gotta mention it while we're here, but I think it's something that might be on a different team in the future. But symbiote suit Peter Parker. There's no way he doesn't come to the game. And he's a threat in all of his own, you know? he He's a uniquely super-powered version of Peter Parker. He'll definitely be weak to energy. I guess I can close out our spider people section here by just mentioning, you know, that we really enjoyed this series. We made a Spider Family shirt on our T Public page, so make sure to click on the show notes and check that out. We're really proud of that. We hope you liked this Spider Family logo that's also on our T Public page and also on this episode. Thank you to our artist Ross for doing that as well because important to us to represent this team and this facet of the Marvel universe because it is growing and it is very popular and very fun. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Emails to Fury's Finest at gmail.com. 
and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. If you haven't done so, please do. So many of you guys have, which we cannot thank you enough. But, you know, if you don't have an Apple device, maybe your friend, family, or partner does. That would be really helpful for us to leave a review via that device. It really does help the podcast grow and helps Marvel Crisis Protocol, the community, grow. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And remember... Help spread the word about our show. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's right. And you can follow Chris and I on social media. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And check out my podcast, Project Starhawk, all about Star Wars Squadrons. You can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Well, Chris, that was a really fun time in the Spider-Verse with our Spider-Verse family. What more can be said than with great power comes great responsibility. Thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. Hey guys. Wanda? It's Gwen, actually. Oh, you know her. Very cool. I'm from another dimension. I mean, another, another dimension. All right, people, let's start at the beginning one last time. My name is Gwen Stacy. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. And for the last two years, I've been the one and only Spider Woman. You guys know the rest. I joined a band. Save my dad. I couldn't save my best friend, Peter Parker. So now I save everyone else. And I don't do friends anymore. Just to avoid any distractions. One day this weird thing happened. And I mean like really weird. I was blown into last week. Literally. I landed in New York, but not my New York. My spider sense told me to head to Visions Academy. You guys are. <laughs> Wasn't sure why until I met you. Oh. I like your haircut. You don't get to like my haircut. Let's go. How many more spider people are there? Let's save it for Comic-Con. What's Comic-Con?